Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Josip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias Zimmergren, and I'm back again with Yusuf Koine. What's up, my friend? Hey, Tobias. So schools resumed today and also daycare. So I've been on a summer holiday since, 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 since late June, but the kids have been off from school since early June, so about eight or nine weeks now. So finally, the three-year-old is out of the house at daycare. The big boys are out of the house. So it's my first summer holiday day without any responsibilities or urgent tasks like preparing lunch and snacks and dinner and, and whatnot. So I'm a bit unsure. What do people normally do on a day like this? I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> I have no idea. Well, obviously, <laughs> we are, we are recording the podcast, which is fun. But once we're done with this, I, I think I might not do anything for an hour. Just enjoy the peaceful, quiet house. At least for today. I mean, I'm I'm sure you have some guilty pleasures, and it's okay to just enjoy. You don't have to be productive or or have a result to show after every hour. You can also just feed up in the couch, start Netflix, and if you're like me, you will try to find something to view on Netflix for about three hours, and then you realize you just passed three hours, which is equivalent of watching like you know Lord of the Rings film or something like that but you didn't actually watch anything. You tried to find something, which is the same kind of issue I had You know, when you went into the, uh, I think in English, you call them the blockbuster office. When you go to rent a DVD or back in the day, a, a VHS uh, that you could bring home for 24 hours and watch it in your VHS player. And then you had to turn it back to the store. Most of the time I went there with some friends and we maybe spent two hours in the store because we couldn't select a movie. And when we found movies we liked, we didn't agree on them. And then we were perhaps five people and we have five dif different tastes and we left without any movie two hours later with a big you know, box of candy instead. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have to have a results or a be productive. You can just enjoy the time in whatever way you want. I might just do that after we're done with this recording. But for now, I'm enjoying this one holiday day without any responsibilities on my side. So what's up with you? So on my end, I am ramping up on work. I have uh, been working two to three days all summer. So um, the majority of the weeks, I've been working only two days and had three days vacation, which has been a pretty good balance uh, for me. I've been able to keep my eye on yeah, all the systems we have, but at the same time, spend a lot of time with the family and friends and uh, with the new house, of course, and there's a lot of things going on. So it's been a great summer. Um, the grapes in the garden, they're getting ripe, perhaps another few weeks, and then I can harvest my first batch of red grapes. And if I'm lucky, I can produce exactly one bottle of wine this year. Um, and there is a vineyard just a few kilometers from here where I live. So I know it's theoretically possible to create wine from the grapes growing in this region although it's southern Sweden, so it's not like one of the known uh, wine regions, obviously. So I'm, I'm hoping I can do at least one bottle of wine and also hope that investment is going to be worth it. And by investment, I mean the amount of time I have to do research and trying to figure everything out 
and, and go through that entire process only to get a single bottle of wine, which may be shit or not, we don't know. Uh, because once I made a dandelion wine, so let's not do that again. And uh, that was perhaps not wine. Perhaps it was more vinegar uh, in the end. But this time I want to do it with real grapes grown in my own garden using only stuff that is local so I can make a real organic local Tobias wine. That sounds like a really good plan. If you could use, use two smaller bottles, ship one to me, and once it's ready, we open it at the same time when we record the podcast, and then we can make tasting notes. I, I can do that if you promise to drink the entire bottle in one <laughs> go, in one, in one session, even I'll, if it's shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it. So okay. today, this is episode 94, your PC in the cloud with Windows 365. So this was a service first announced during Inspire 2021. So it's a PC in a cloud, cloud PC service. So I know that you use a laptop as your main workstation, but have you used a custom VM in the cloud or do you have VMs where you run your productivity stuff? Yeah, so so right now I run most of my things off of my laptop. So bare bone directly on the, um, on the laptop. Uh, I have used a lot of VMs. And most of the time when I used VMs, it's been not for productivity issues because I need a developer tool, but more because I need a an isolated environment for a specific customer or that I need to replicate some type of environment. Like you can also relate to, we worked a lot with SharePoint, uh, both of us. It was very common back in the day to have you know a huge set of different VMs. You can set up your own server farm and replicate you know the scenarios you would have in production in your own VMs. So I've, I've used them for that a lot. And I have used developer VMs, which I put on a schedule in Azure. So they started up every morning, maybe 6 a.m., and they were shut down at maybe 8 p.m. every evening. And inside of those VMs, I had some productivity tools, or in this case, dev tools. So Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, and, and you know my debugging tools. And each of those VMs were specifically connected to uh, secure repositories where all data needed to be isolated, all customer info needed to be isolated. So that's why, why you use that. Other than that, I've, I've used some virtual desktop kind of experience where uh, I get my, my same desktop on all these machines, which worked okay, perhaps not seamless, but it worked okay. Other than that, I haven't used a cloud PC, uh, which Windows 365 is. So I, I like the promise of it. I did watch the uh, announcement during Inspire 2021. I have read up on it and I did try to sign up and use it, but I was a little bit too late, I think, because they I, I got a message in the browser saying, you know, it's great that you want to try this out, but there's a lot of people who want to try this out. And unfortunately, we kind of ran out of capacity. So they, they put that on pause. So I haven't tried it out. Did you try it out yet? Yeah, I did. And I signed up for the trial and the trial is 60 days. And, and when you enable that, it sort of promises that you get 25 licenses, which to me implies you get 25 instances of Windows 365 based VMs uh, for productivity use. But in the end, I, I think when I enabled the trial, I only got one license. So I allocated that to myself to try out the service. And it's, it's interesting that 
we've had local Hyper-V and VMware-based workstations for, what, 10, 15 years at least. You have been able to run your VMs in Azure for about 10 years now. So the capability has always been there, but it's been a bit, bit cumbersome and clumsy if you have, let's say, 200 employees and you need to allocate one workstation for each of them. And, and for this, obviously, we have uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, and that used to be called Windows Virtual Desktop, but they changed the name. But for that, I've always felt it's, it's a fairly complex service to set up. You have to figure out the on-premises connectivity, the hybrid identities, all of that. And then I recall the smallest instances you could provision were easily something along the lines of 50 or 100 VMs. And obviously you're paying according to those. But now with Windows 365, you can just buy one license, provision one VM for one single user and pay for that. Okay. So, so in essence, it's a virtual machine for desktop use, for productivity use per user and part of Microsoft 365. And for now it's Windows 10, it's not Windows 11 because that's not uh, generally available yet. And you can access that through an RDP client on iOS, Android, Windows, or use a browser-based connection. That's really what it's all about. Right, so, so it does sound fairly simple, but also ingenious in the way that, you know, we've needed this for a long time, but it was too cumbersome to set up VMs and manage them for your workforce. You know, for a couple of developers, it's not really a problem. But for your workforce, the way I see this and the announcement and how Microsoft is, is talking about Windows 365, it's not for developers or for your server farm experiments or for your production replicas. This is for every user doing everyday tasks. So you get your uh, you know, everyday setup on that cloud PC, which can be Microsoft Teams. It can be, of course, DevTools, uh, but the, the correct browsers and browser profiles and signed in with your AAD account, you know, access to your OneDrive files and whatever it is that you are working on as an end user as well. So it's not only for the power user, it's not only for the developers or architects or administrators or the IT, uh, IT folks, which at least to me, most of the VMs we operated in the past or dedicated to one of those roles. So this is more of a bring a pre-configured PC with everything that you have and everything that you need through the cloud. And essentially just push a button and you get that PC served um, either from your laptop or like you mentioned from the browser, you can access some of these things. And I really like that. I, I like the, the idea of the simplicity here. While the underlying technology to serve this might not be a new invention in terms of running a VM that is managed for you, but the simplicity, that's where you win. And this is where you can get the users uh, on board as well and, and get this to grow hopefully at scale. So I, I like the idea. And then I assume, you know, I, I work with Intune. I am rolling our devices into Intune. So I assume there's an integration here somewhere. I haven't tried this out yet, so I don't actually know, but maybe you know. So Today we roll out Intune and we get all the laptops and devices connected to Intune so we can meet our compliance requirements. So I guess a cloud PC has to meet those requirements as well. So I, I'm thinking there's a natural integration here somewhere. There definitely is. When you provision 
a cloud PC, the first one. And in essence, what you need to do, you need to go to Microsoft 365 Admin Center, go to licenses, purchase, or get the trial one when it's available again, and assign that for a user. Then you can provision a cloud PC for the user. And if your organization already uses Intune or has the whole Microsoft Endpoint Manager set up, then the cloud PC will conform to those settings. But if you haven't provisioned Intune at all, then obviously the cloud PC is its own data island in that sense, that, that you have no way of configuring or enforcing settings beyond what Azure AD gives you without any endpoint management capabilities. Uh, and for users, they go to windows365.microsoft.com to access that, or you can just distribute the RDP settings and give them a nice looking icon on the desktop or the mobile device. Click here to access your workstation. So what you said previously, I think that nicely underlines the service. Windows 365 is built for simplicity and Azure Virtual Desktop is built for flexibility. Meaning that if you really need to tinker with different settings, you go for AVD. But if you just need to get VMs in the cloud for productivity use, office clients, teams, writing code, whatever, then you go with Windows 365. That's the key here. Yep. So should we, should we perhaps talk a bit about licensing and cost? Yeah, um, this was going to be my question because you've tinkered a, a little bit with it and, and checked it out. Um, in the past, running an Azure VM in any capacity comes with an associated cost. And you can run fairly cheap VMs, but then you're also running on fairly low resources on the VM, so low CPU and memory, uh, depending on the disk, if it's an SSD drive or not, and so on. So the, the configuration matters. So I assume here with Windows 365, you also have configuration options. Um, being that it's a selling point that it's a productivity tool or like a cloud PC, not a server, not a, you know, I don't expect you to be able to set up uh, 128 gigabytes of RAM. I don't know. Uh, maybe you check that out. But my assumption here is that there is going to be a pricing difference for each user, depending on the size and, and what kind of resources you plug into that cloud PC. Exactly. And the the licensing goes based on the hardware capabilities, but then it's also divided in business and enterprise editions. But when you go to the actual pricing list, and we have the link in the show notes, then it sort of loses the business enterprise distinction and everything is bundled together. But on a high level, if you go with business, it's up to 300 users, just like with Microsoft 365. And then you probably do not use any of the Intune capabilities. And the enterprise gives you those management capabilities on top of that. So the hardware you, 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 you can choose from is between one to eight virtual CPUs and two to 32 gigs of RAM and 64 to 512 gigs of storage. So I would say it's on par with a performant laptop. Usually you have two to four CPU cores, about eight to 16 gigs of RAM, and perhaps a half, half terabyte storage drive, and that's it. So this is exactly the same in the cloud. And for the cost, the cheapest one with one CPU, two gigs of RAM, 
and 64 gigs of storage. It's about $20 per user per month. And perhaps to keep in mind here is that the cloud PC is always on. You can restart it, but there's no need to deallocate or stop it or do any of that stuff. It's always running, you can always connect. What I though suspect is what they do, they actually might shut it down and then when you initiate the connection, they'll quickly resume it in order to save some capacity at least. Yeah, makes sense. And I, I think 20 bucks a month, uh, for, if you can get your entire productivity tools and everything on there, it sounds like a steal. I do suspect that 20 bucks a month on the lowest tier might not be enough for quite a lot of users. You might have to go a little bit bigger. But you know, on the, on the sum of things, it's pretty nice to get everything managed and get an up-to-date PC that you don't have any hardware to actually manage and you offload everything from your device. So in theory, this means you could run a thin client, which we used to call it back in the day, where you had a whatever low hardware capacity client connecting to a, a server VM. In this case, that's the same deal. You can use your weak laptop. I think you can use a like a Samsung tablet, right? And you can do whatever you want, whatever the cloud PC is capable of. If you're rendering a video, if you're, I don't know, maybe you're running 200 integration tests or yeah, whatever it is that takes time and takes CPU and memory, it will not take CPU and memory off of your device. It will uh, use all the resources in the cloud, just like any other VM. And and this is where I see it become interesting for for my use cases as a real business application where I don't need to get a, a laptop for everyone that is capable of doing all these fancy things that we need, but instead we can get you know nice lightweight laptops, modern ultrabooks, doesn't have to have you know all the the full specs of everything if we can rely on Windows 365 to deliver the capacity that we need instead. Um, so that's at least in theory. Obviously, I have not tried this out. And before, like always, like we usually recommend, before you try something like this out, start with a pilot pilot group or a proof of concept and run it for a while, and, and which is what I wanted to do. But then Microsoft's website told me, Sorry, everyone else was quicker than you, so no no cigar. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just have to wait. I would anticipate that they will ramp up the, the uh, capability on the service and enable trials in the future as well. The, the reasonable one uh, in terms of hardware would be perhaps two virtual CPUs, 8 gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage. That's $45 a month per user. The largest one, eight CPUs, 32 gigs of RAM, and half a terabyte of storage. It's $162. But perhaps to keep in mind is that if you already have excess Windows licenses, you can use the Windows hybrid benefits, and that gives about 10 to 20% discount on these set prices. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking about the use cases. And I, I wouldn't say that Windows 365 is something that you would use or I would use on a daily basis because we already have nice workstations. We have the local admin access. We can do whatever we like and we have enough hardware to run our workloads. But considering the need for somebody who doesn't need to use that device eight hours a day, perhaps you have excess workstations at a factory or in a large office 
then you can allocate this and say, just click here to access your workload and everything is contained in one place and you can con control and, and manage everything through Intune. You don't have to worry about the local connectivity, the hybrid identities, all of that. Everything is sort of con con configured based on best practices by Microsoft. And yep. perhaps to highlight here, one small thing is that there's no separate cost for bandwidth. And that's perhaps the main difference with if, if you provision a VM in Azure, obviously you pay for bandwidth as well and storage and everything else. So it's not part of the pricing, but the docs sort of imply that the cost is this for now. And I would suspect that they're also seeing how users are utilizing this. So if you, if you access it remotely and start running your backups to on-prem and generating a lot of traffic, I would suspect that there's there's a mechanism to start throttling the traffic as well. Okay, it sounds like there's a lot of things we we need to figure out as we go, which is the case with all preview or yeah all new services where where they uh, also adapt yeah the service according to like you say how how users use it and whether people use specific features. And I'm I'm really excited actually to try this out. So the the question is. Just like when we talked about VMs in the past, moving servers to the cloud, moving your on-prem workloads to the cloud, is it going to be more expensive or not? I, I think this is the question. Taking everything into consideration, you know, you might calculate that if you take the average price we talked about here about forty-five and make it fifty dollars a month, is that more expensive? So think, how long do you use a laptop? Well, this many years, and what is the average cost of a laptop? Well, it's this much. Is it going to be cheaper to use this? But then it's also the resources needed to maintain hardware and, and laptops versus just click a button in the cloud if you have everything configured. So all things considered, is it going to be more expensive or not? Do you have any thoughts on this? I, I did do some calculations on this. And often if I'm, if I'm working with customers, at least in Finland, um, most companies get re reasonable laptops for their employees. They might be the Lenovo's or the Dell's or the HP's. So those cost easily up to $1,500. And perhaps the anticipation is that the user would use that laptop for three years. So let's, let's think that per year we'd be paying about $600 for Windows 365. That's with the two CPUs, 80 gigs of RAM and so not. So then we know that over a period of three years, it would be about $1,800 for the cloud service. But then for the laptop, you need somebody to do Windows updates, somebody to check the security settings, all of that. And arguably you can use Intune for that too, but there's often an additional cost, perhaps per department, they they need to allocate for the overhead. So there's an extra cost internally, the monopoly money that happens internally, and that might be different in the cloud. So I, I wouldn't say it's super cheap to use Windows 365, but considering a specific use case, I see the value in there because you also don't have to commit for three years. You can get it now and two months from now, if the employee leaves the company or simply says, I don't need this, you can shut it down and essentially save that money instead of sunking the cost in a laptop. And then if the user leaves the company, you have a slightly used laptop 
that still burns money for you for the next two and a half years or so. Yeah. And you still do need a laptop though. Like the, the user needs to connect somehow to the cloud PC. So they do need a device. So there's there's gonna be some initial cost for, for every employee as well to connect to the cloud PC, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I did try this uh, with the Samsung Galaxy Tab S7 Plus, and I think you have the same tab. Yep. So it's a, it's a 12.4 inch display, uh, a fairly nice sized in the sense. So I installed the RDP app, it's a, it's a newer version than, than the default one. And I did connect to my Windows 365 instance. And I added a Bluetooth mouse and a wireless keyboard. You could really work on that. Perhaps I wouldn't like to work on that setup for three years. But if I had to do that for a day or two, or every now and then, I wouldn't see that as a problem. It was fast, it was perfectly usable in that sense. But obviously the the Samsung tablet, that's about what, $1,000 plus the yeah. add-ons and the connectivity and all of that. So I arguably, I, I could have gotten a $1,000 laptop and continue using that. But at the same time, somebody has pre-configured, somebody's managing the update, somebody else is sort of managing all of the hardware here and the electricity and the maintenance in that sense. So again, I see Windows 365 as, as a perfectly usable service, but perhaps not for the IT pros who already have nice laptops, who already have at their possession all of the fancy features they need, but for their regular users who might need intermittent access, it, it would make uh, perfect sense. Yeah. That's going to be fun to try it out when it when it's available for everyone again. Exactly, and and Windows three sixty five is sort of a subset of Azure Virtual Desktop, and when you go to Intune, you can see the similar configuration that's being made for you when you provision the first cloud PC. One quick, perhaps an insight here is that whatever settings you have in Azure AD in terms of security, if you use the browser client to access the cloud PC those Azure AD security settings are not enforced. Because when you initially open Windows 365, obviously you do your authentication, MFA, passwordless, whatnot. But when you double click on the cloud PC, I'd like to connect to this one, then it's only prompting you for your username and your password. But again, it skips everything else, the passwordless and whatnot. So I feel that users are going to need a little bit of education here. You first go here and you do the regular thing. But when you actually connect with your PC, you do it differently. And if an organization moves on to passwordless or using some sort of tokens, and then they say, well, now you can connect to your PC in the cloud, but forget everything we configured for you. Now you go back to the old school approach. <laughs> That's perhaps something I'd Ideally, I'd like Microsoft to get rid of and simply conform to whatever settings we already have. Yeah, that makes sense. And also good to know about. Alrighty, so this was really Windows 365. In, in a sense, it's a simple service and everything complex happens in Intune. And the service itself is simple to set up and simple to use. And I think that's the purpose here. And now we have just one more thing left. That would be the unexpected question. And let me ask you, Toby, this okay. is a question I, I read in a book 
but I modified this slightly. How many piano tuners are there in Stockholm? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, because I don't know whether you're referring to a piano tuner as the device that can tune your piano or the individual who has the, the title of the piano tuner. The uh, individual. Is that specific? The, 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 the okay. person doing the tuning. And, and how would you estimate this instead of just guessing it's 50 or 200? 42. That's an exact number. That's my fi final answer. <laughs> it's a great answer, though. And I don't know. I did not look this up. But I, I like these sort of trivia questions in the sense, uh, well, I would hate these if I were up applying to work for a company and they would ask me this. How does this relate to my, my future work? But at the same time, I like these nuggets that, that enforce you to think, well, how would I estimate this? And I really don't have an answer for this, but I might be thinking about this tonight as well. I mean, there is an estimation service for this called Google. So you go there <laughs> and then you type in the question, how many piano tuners are there in Stockholm? And it's going to show you 42. Okay. I'm pretty sure it, it's yeah, the final yeah. answer to everything. Yeah, that satisfies my curiosity. Alrighty, thank you again for tuning in. This was episode 94, your PC in the cloud with Windows 365. Make sure to check the show notes. Uh, we put the links to the pricing and to the overview of the service in there. And until next week. All right, see you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.